Take your Bible, please, and open to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, we have a very well-known passage here. And uh, if you'll notice the uh, context, if you go back a verse or two, uh, verse 9, For we are laborers together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And this is the local church that Paul is talking about. Next verse, he says, according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. Now, wisdom only comes from God. If you're going to build a church, you need God's wisdom. You can't do it the world's way. But Paul refers to himself as a wise master builder. And that's not boasting or proud. That was just the truth. He said, I have laid the foundation and other, another building, another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For other foundation can no man lay than that is laid, which is Jesus Christ. He's talking about a local church. And uh, God still uses men to build churches today. I think that we, uh, as a local church, are still in the building process. I don't know how far along we are. Um, before the Lord comes back, I hope we can get all done and all finished and be everything God wants us to be. But we do need God's wisdom. Now, in that context, he talks in verses 12 to uh, 15 about um, uh, the man of God who will build upon the foundation, upon Jesus Christ. And then he mentions building materials, gold, silver, precious stones. They sound good. And then he mentions wood, hay, and stubble. Then he gets into talking about how one day the Lord will try the works by fire. And obviously, wood, hay, and stubble are going to go up in flames. The gold, silver, precious stones will endure the fire and they can be rewarded. And so there you have the, the context of this. Now, there is a mineral known as iron pyrite. Iron pyrite. How many have ever heard of iron pyrite? Ooh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, oh, about a dozen of us. Iron pyrite. It has a metallic luster and a pale brass yellow hue, and it makes it look a lot like real gold. But it's worthless. It's junk. And for this reason, it's known as what? Fool's gold. Now, how many have heard of fool's gold? Raise your hand. There's quite a few more. All right. Many a new prospector has uh, brought a load of this junk uh, this fool's gold into a pawn shop or to a gold dealer only to be told the sad news. This is worthless. Now once again in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, the spiritual commodities of gold, silver, and precious stones are of great worth to God. If you've ever wondered what the currency in heaven is, I suggest you look here. The God's gold, silver, and precious stone. And he will reward us accordingly. He really will. You may not be a church builder. You may not be a pastor. You may not be an evangelist like our brother. But there will be a time where you as a Christian, man or woman, you stand before the Lord Jesus Christ. He will look through your life for what he can reward. All of your works, as it were, will pass through the fire. And whatever is left is rewardable. And he will reward. And he'll greatly reward. Make sure there's something for him to reward. Oh, but I haven't started any churches. No, but you can help build a church. You can roll up your sleeves and get involved. Oh, there's not much I can do. You can read your Bible and you can pray. There's a great opening, job openings for prayer warriors today, I'll tell you. The great things that God does, he does in connection with the prayer warriors. 
the more prayer warriors, the more great things. When Jesus was on earth, he went back to his hometown and he could basically do nothing because they, they had no faith. They, he was marveled at how little faith and so he could hardly do anything of his great works. How many great things does God want to do in our church and in our families and in our lives? But he's limited himself to the prayer. If you're not praying, no wonder there's no power of God flowing. You know, the Christian life is really a miraculous thing. It really is. When you have the divine flowing in you and through you. You know, that's what we need today more than anything. The lost, the unsaved of the world need to see Jesus in us. And that'll happen as we spend time with God alone every day in the prayer closet. I'm going to tell you a bit more about that a little later in the service. But um, this is the currency of heaven. This is the commodity in heaven. Uh, the gold and silver and the precious stones. But I want today, today I want to make an a, a, application, a life application using a variation of these things. These three things, gold, silver, precious stone. I want to use a variation of it and I want to make a life application. And I want you to see that the devil offers his own clever imitation of these three things and their value to God is nothing. They are worthless. Now, most people, I think, would generally uh, have an idea of what they want in life in order to make them happy. And I think that would hold true with most of us here today. If you were questioned, what is it that you really want in life? What do you want to see happen? What would make you happy? Chances are you'd have an idea. People all over the world are pretty much the same when it comes to this. They have an idea what it is they want in life in order to make them happy. And they'll say, well, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied if... And then they fill in the blank. Maybe number one, if I have good health. And some people value good health more than anything. Some people say, well, I'll be happy and I'll be satisfied in life if I have a good paying, secure job. A good 40 hours a week, 2,000 hours a year with three weeks vacation hmm? and fringe benefits. Oh, throw in some dental as well. Some say, I'll be happy, I'll be satisfied if I can own my own home. A lot of people work on that one. Oh, in a safe neighborhood, not next to the Hell's Angels, okay? You can get those houses at bargain basement prices, but I mean the good ones in safe neighborhoods go for more money. Some, some say, well, I'll be happy in life. I'll be satisfied if I could have a family or if I had friends, friends who like me. Now, there's nothing wrong per se with good health and a good paying job and a nice house, a nice home in a safe neighborhood or family and friends. There's nothing wrong per se with any of those things. And by the way, if God has given them to you, you need to praise the Lord for it. You need to thank him every day. And by the way, here's a little tip. You need to ask God's hedge of protection around what he's blessed you with. Because if you're not constantly, daily asking God to protect it, and you forget for a day, a week or something, you may let your guard down. The devil may get in there and stir up a hornet's nest. You may not like that. Speaking of hornets, we just had the exterminator to our home this past week. We had wasps. Maybe that's happened to anyone here. You had wasps in, in the wall of your home or something. Wow, and I'm standing outside and I'm looking at this activity going on. And I say, know your limit, play within. I can't handle that. And so if it was close to the ground or something small, I could give it a, a shot or something. But I called in the exterminator. He put on his big uh, hazmat suit, you know, with the, the gloves and everything. He goes up and he, and sure enough, it killed him dead. 
Amazing. But uh, nothing wrong with having a home, even with wasps. <laughs> nothing wrong with having a nice car or eating nice food, going to a restaurant. Nothing wrong with any of that stuff. Um, but many people consider these things to be the most valuable things in their lives. And you see, this is where the dark side starts to creep up. When people start to look at a house, a home, a job, health, a family, and they start looking upon them and valuing them, valuing them more highly than what they're worth in God's eyes, that's when the trouble begins. Nothing wrong with having a nice car or two cars or three cars even. Nothing wrong with having a nice house or two houses or three houses. Nothing wrong with having a boat. Nothing wrong with having a, a, a vacation home or something. There's nothing wrong with that per se. But it's when we start valuing them too high. That's when the trouble begins. And so to these people who value these things way more than what they should, to these people, these things become to them gold and silver and precious stones. And this is where the mistake happens. This is where the trouble starts. In Psalm 115 verse 4, it talks of the unsaved, the heathen. It says, their idols are silver and gold. Their idols are silver and gold. Some people talk about the almighty dollar. They talk about the almighty dollar and how on the stock markets the value of the dollar goes up and the value of the dollar goes down. There was a time when the value of our Canadian dollar was compared to the American dollar some, somewhere near 60 cents. How many remember those days? Anyone? Uh, a couple of us. Yeah, those were scary days. Man, you went, you went to the States and you had to give everything and mortgage your home to buy something. It was crazy. They'd come up here and it seemed like for a dollar or two, you know, they could buy a car and a house. So that's how it seemed. But someone said that the dollar will never fall as low as some people will bend to pick it up. There are some people, it doesn't matter. I mean, money, 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 you know, and they grovel for it. But when a house, a home, a job, even a family or friend becomes more valuable in your eyes than what it ought to be, then it becomes to you in this world gold, silver, and precious stone. And that's where the mistake happens. You say, why? Because all these things can be easily lost. None of us have a guarantee on tomorrow. I'm sad to say it, but tomorrow someone may suffer an incredible loss. They may suffer the loss of their health through an accident on their way to work. That happens a lot. They may uh, suffer the loss of their job. That happened to me 19 years ago when we first moved here and I got a job at a foam factory and I hated it. But it's all I could do because I had to put bread on the table. And so one day I was called into the office and I was told, we don't need you after today. You're gone. And on the one half, I was happy because I hated the job. And I wanted, to do, I wanted God to do a miracle. On the other side of me, I was kind of nervous because I didn't know, uh, what, am I just unemployed now? I had been praying and I had asked God's people to pray for me that God would do a miracle and get me out of that crazy place. And two weeks before Christmas, that's what happened. And so what happened? I'll tell you what happened. From that day till this, God has looked after me. 
Amen. God is able. But what happens if tomorrow I'm out of a job? (laughs) What happens? Well, then God's got something else. But the point is, this week, someone may suffer some kind of loss in some area that's very near and dear to them. What are we going to do? Well, that's what this sermon is all about here. Because with many people, they find that what they thought was once gold now turns out to be mold. Not gold, but mold. And what they once thought was their silver has become sulfur, not silver. You get the idea? In Revelation 3.17, Jesus, in writing to the church at Laodicea, said, Because thou sayest, I am rich and increased with goods and have need of nothing, and knowest not that thou art wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. Imagine that. They never thought it. If you told it to their face, they wouldn't believe you. They'd call you a liar. And yet that was the evaluation that Jesus himself gave to that church of all places. In James chapter 5, verse 3, James says, Your gold and silver is cankered, and the rust of them shall be a witness against you, and shall eat your flesh as it were fire. Ye have heaped treasure together for the last days. So what do you do when you find that your gold has turned to mold? Today, I want to make an application of the gold, silver, and precious stones, and I want to talk with you about mold, sulfur, and pernicious stones. Let's bow for prayer. Our dear Heavenly Father, help us for these next few moments. O Holy Spirit of God, open the eyes of our understanding and show us the will of our Father. Help us to have wisdom. Paul spoke of being a wise master builder. Lord, we may not be master builders, but we can be wise if you'll, if you'll give it to us. Because you promised us, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God, that giveth to all men liberally, and abradeth not, and it shall be given him. And our Father, we're asking you for that wisdom today. Lord, I pray for the men and women that hold down responsible jobs. I pray for the, the men and women who own property and houses and cars. I pray for the men and women who are mothers and fathers and have families and children and have friends. I pray for all of the people that have health in either greater or less, lesser measure. And these things in themselves are great. But dear Heavenly Father, help us to see them from heaven's point of view and help us to respond accordingly. So bless the message. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, if you're a note taker, I have a note for you. Point number one. It looks like gold, but it's really mold. Now, in this application, gold is going to represent for us the high-value items, such as a job or a house. And some people might even include their health, because honestly, there are people who value health more than anything else in this world. It means more to them than money. You know, it's funny. Someone once said that a lot of us, we sacrifice our health in order to get wealth. And then when we finally got the wealth, we end up spending all our wealth in order to get back our health. Crazy, aren't we? Uh, so many people have, uh, have followed that route. Well, a job, a car, a house, and health are all good things. Remember, nothing wrong with them. But the mistake happens when we begin to value them too much, too highly. Gold begins turning to mold when we begin fearing the loss of our gold. And that's one way in which you can know if your gold is mold or not. 
Do you fear losing it? If there's something of high value that you fear losing or you're very nervous about, I suggest to you it may not be gold. It may be iron pyrite. It may be mold and not gold if you're afraid you're going to lose it. In other words, losing your wealth or losing your fortune makes you nervous. Golden mold has another dark side. I mean, it's not over here. There's, there's more bad news, folks. It's called debt. D-E-B-T. How do you get that spelling eh? off something that's pronounced D-E-T? Debt. How do you get the B in there? Huh? Who knows? But that B is meant to sting us, I'm sure. little humor there. You know, often, in order to have a fine house, now correct me if I'm, if I'm mistaken here, but often, in order to own a fine house or a really nice car, a new car, it comes with a heavy price tag. Is that not true? Yeah, I would say most of the time that's true. It doesn't happen too often where someone says, here's a house I want to give you. Here's a brand new car I want to give you. That's yet to happen in my life. I suggest to you these things can be had, but they come with a heavy-duty price tag, and it can put a person in deep debt uh, for many years, and that makes a person into a slave. That's what debt does. And they can make them very terribly afraid of losing their job. Now, all of a sudden, they are really uh, up the creek. In Proverbs 22.7, it says, The rich ruleth over the poor, and listen, the borrower is servant to the lender. That makes you a slave. If you are in debt, if you've gone and gotten the fine things of life, but had to pay this heavy debt price tag, it makes you not free, but it makes you in bondage. Living under heavy debt is like being a slave under a heavy taskmaster. Now, Jesus spoke of the deceitfulness of riches, and many of us find this out too late. We find it out later in life when we should have said no to something earlier. We kind of went right along with it and we put our signature on it and that got us in our neck in the noose for the rest of our life or something. He gave the parable of the sower. And in Matthew 13, he said these words, He also that received seed among the thorns is he that heareth the word and the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word, and he becometh unfruitful. And that's exactly what happens to a lot of people. They stick their head in the noose willingly, and they don't realize that it's going to tighten. The pursuit of wealth and riches tend to kill off any fruitfulness for God. In Luke chapter 16, Jesus told us that worldly wealth is the least of all things. Now this is how God sees the wealth of this world. They are the least of all things. Jesus said these words, He that is faithful in that which is least is faithful also in much. And he that is unjust in the least is unjust also in the much. If therefore ye have not been faithful in the unrighteous mammon, who will commit to your trust the true riches? These are Jesus' words. And so we learn there is something called true riches. There's riches of this world, and then there are true riches, and this is the gold that God gives, because there really is a gold that will not mold. There really is. Whereas the wealth of this world ends up being the mold that the devil gives. 
Someone says, well, what about my financial needs? I can't live on love, you know. What about my financial needs? How do I pay my bills? Fear not, because your Father in heaven knoweth that ye have need of all these things. And that's why Jesus said in Matthew 6, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And again, don't forget, we have His promise in Philippians 4.19, But my God shall supply all your need according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So point one, it looks like gold, but it's really mold. Point number two, it looks like silver, but it's really sulfur. Now in our application here, silver will represent our reputation of being successful. I think basically everyone wants to be successful at something. Uh, be it a job, or be it a marriage, or be it raising children. Everyone wants to be successful at something. But being successful at something uh, does cause you to have a good reputation. And there's that in itself, there's nothing wrong with that. We call that fame. But the mistake happens when success becomes too important to us and we'll sacrifice anything to be successful. Now perhaps our friends are all successful and uh, therefore we feel that we also must be successful. And that's when our silver begins to turn to sulfur. Sulfur is mentioned 15 times in the Bible. Did you know that? It goes under the name brimstone. Have you heard of it now? As in fire and brimstone. Fire and brimstone in the Bible speak of judgment and damnation and suffering. You know what sulfur smells like, don't you? Rotten eggs. Boy, does it smell bad. Rotten eggs. The ancient Chinese, listen to this. The ancient Chinese found that they could extract sulfur from, of all things, Iron pyrite, fool's gold. Out of that worthless junk, they get something else that smells horrible. I wonder how it is these two are connected. Interesting, isn't it? And so in our application, many people find that what looks like the silver clouds of success turn out to be only smelly sulfur. In other words, the years go by and we haven't achieved the success that we feel we need or that is due to us. Others are passing us by and getting promotions. Others are getting things and we're not. We begin to worry that we will never ever be successful. Now many people in their middle years of life often go through what is commonly called what? A mid-life crisis. Right. And we hear about this, and some of us have gone through it, and uh, others hope it never, you know, knocks on their door, but it is very common in life. Very common in the developed worlds, that's for sure. The midlife crisis. Now, they, in other words, they look at their lives, they wake up one day, maybe they're 40 years old, they wake up one day and they look themselves in the mirror and they get discouraged. They get feeling overwhelmed. They feel they've missed out. They feel that life has passed them by. They look at their calendar. They look at their, their selves in the mirror. They, they, they look at how old they are. They look at the wrinkles, maybe a few gray hairs. They think that they're a failure. They think that their lives are counting for nothing rather than for something. And they may even think that people are laughing at them. And that's why some people feel when they go through a midlife crisis, that's why some people do crazy things. That's why they feel they must do something. They have to do something. 
And that's why some of them will get into alcohol. Some of them will get into drugs. Some will get into extramarital uh, affairs. Some will go buy extravagant things. Some will sell their house and, and finance a world cruise and go and live in Tahiti or something like that. So what's gotten into them? Midlife crisis. A midlife crisis. And so I suggest to you that the dark side of success is a terrible fear of failure. And some people live with this fear all their lives. Now maybe you're here today and these words don't mean much to you, but I can guarantee you there are people here today, they know what I'm talking about. They know what this means. Some people become slaves to their jobs because of the fear of lacking success. And that if they don't become a success, they can never hold their head up ever again. Mom and dad will look down upon them. Or brother and sister will call them a fool and failure. And so they are driven crazy with the pursuit of success. They become slaves to their job. Or listen to this. Some even become slaves to their hobby sport. Golf is fine. But when you get to such a frenzy, you know, that you have to break 100, you have to break 80 now, you, you can't live with yourself unless you can break a score. Well, what's happening? Well, what's going on here? What is this raging bull inside? Well, there's a lot of fear going on. And that's where the silver has become sulfur. Smelly sulfur. And that's what happens. And people who are locked in this, their lives kind of stink. They know it and they hope no one else can smell it. But unfortunately, when you're around people, they, you know, it's like you're the last one to find out you got bad breath. Isn't that about the, the, the truth? You know, it seems fine to you, but flowers wilt and people get out of your way. And what's wrong with those people? Well, go see the doctor or something like that. Many people suffer anxiety attacks over this. Many people become nervous wrecks. Many, listen to this, are on prescription medications to try and help them cope and get through. What do you do when you discover your silver has turned out to be sulfur? Here's what you do. Don't miss it. You go back to God and you humbly receive from His hand the silver of success. The true silver of success. What is success in God's eyes? What is valuable in God's eyes? What is the, the silver of success? It's finding and doing the will of God for your life. There is no finer thing you can do. If you believe that God is omniscient and he knows everything, 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 everything there is to know, then he also knows all the bad things. He also knows all of the mistakes that you can make. And his will for your life is absolutely pure as a driven snow, even pure. His will for your life is more valuable than gold. He knows exactly what you need to do in life. And the best thing you can do to be a success is to find his will and to do it. Then you'll be a success. Take your Bible, please, and turn to the book of Philippians. I'd like you to see something here. Many years ago, I, I discovered this truth, and it really helped me. And it changed the way that, that I thought about things. Philippians chapter 2. In verse 5, Paul writes, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Now, I'd like your help here. Would you please and read verse 6? Read out loud verse 6 with me now. Who, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God. All right, pause there. 
The impact of that verse made an indelible impression upon my life. Tell me, do you think Jesus was worried about his reputation of success all on earth? Do you think he was worried about that? Do you think he would bite his fingernails down to the second knuckle? You know, in worry and fret and stress. And he was a nervous wreck, whether he'd be a success or not. Do you think that characterizes Jesus' life? What do you think? Yes or no? No, absolutely not. He was in perfect peace at all times. He was in control. Now this verse is very important because the idea of this, look at it again, who being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God. Was Jesus equal with God or was he not equal with God? Yes, he was equal with God. He didn't go around trying to convince people and, and oh, please believe and make sure, make sure, I'll pay you if you believe, I'll be your friend if you believe I'm God. It wasn't like that at all because Jesus knew who he was. He knew he came from heaven. He knew he was God of very God. He knew he was the creator in the flesh. He was the God-man and he knew it. And so there was no striving. Strive for what? If, uh, if, if you're a husband and I came to you and I said, are, are you sure you're, you're married to your wife? You're, you're the husband? You'd say, well, of course. You wouldn't say, oh, I hope I am. Well, well, I'm not sure. Oh, my, what am I going to do? You'd have no problem. If you're a wife, I asked you, is this your husband? You said, yes, yeah, my husband right there. Are you sure that's your husband, lady? Are you sure it's not a clever imitation? Well, you might say, some days I wonder. (laughs) But you'd say, no, no, that's the man I married. That's the ring I put on his finger. Look, that's the lipstick on his collar. That's my lipstick. That's not someone else's lipstick. That's my lipstick on his collar. You have your little proofs, right? You'd pick them out of a lineup. You know, that's my husband. You've got no qualm about it. You don't worry. You don't stress. You don't fret. Except if he does something dumb. Then, you know, you go to God about it. But otherwise, you know, no question, that's my husband. God had God in the flesh had no qualm that he was God. That's Jesus. Now, you and I are not God. That's a Mormon teaching. Be careful about that. Mormons believe you can become a God. That's a Mormon teaching. We don't believe that. But in Christ, when you get saved, when you repent of your sin and receive Christ as your Savior, you're born again and you know it. There are a lot of people who think they're Christian because they go to a church. They think they're going to heaven because they pray. They're going to be sadly mistaken one day. That's iron pyrite. That is fool's gold. Because Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. So that means you can go to church all you want. That's not going to get you to heaven. Get baptized all you want. Take communion all you want. If they'll let you, that's not going to get you to heaven. You know, the only thing that's going to get you to heaven is a person. His name is Jesus. And either you're in him and he's in you or you're not. Right? It's like being married. Either you're married or you're not. It's like being physically alive. Either you are or you aren't. Right? Back when my wife was pregnant, favorite saying, and uh, she'd, she'd be a, you know, a month pregnant or something and she'd come and give me the good news and oh, we'd jump up and down together. And then a couple of months, you know, she starts to be able to feel the tightness of the waistband and, uh, you know, she says, I'm more pregnant now. Now that's something only I think a, a woman can really understand and appreciate. I, I'm just a guy and I just kind of repeat what I hear. But, you know, after about six, seven months, she says, yeah, I'm more pregnant now than I was, you know, two or three months ago, right? Truth is, you're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Is that right? 
Yeah. You're either alive or you're dead. Is that right? Can't be both. You're either saved or you're lost. You can't be both. Either Jesus is in you or he's not in you. You can't have both. You and I, when we are in Christ, we become sons and daughters of almighty God himself. That's not boastful. That's the truth. That is the truth. You are a child of the king, my Christian friend. That makes you greater. Listen to this. You are greater than the greatest unsaved person in the whole world. You think of who the greatest person in the world is that you, that you would consider great. You are greater. If they are not a, a Christian, if they are not born again, part of God's family, on their way to heaven, they're going to die. Everything they're going to give up, they're going to leave behind. They're going to lift up their eyes in hell one day. They'll be eternally doomed and damned. Whereas forever and ever and ever, you'll be saved. You'll be part of God's family. You'll be rejoicing in heaven and with the King and with God's people. Oh, ho, ho. you are far, far better off. You are far wealthier. You are far greater. You are far more famous, even. More famous, how's that? Because the population of heaven, I believe, is greater than the population of earth. And you are more famous up there because they know you're saved. And they're waiting for your coronation day. They're waiting for your ticker tape parade when you get to heaven. This is good news, folks. If you're here and you're kind of thinking, oh, I'm in a bit of a failure. I don't seem to be able to measure up or match up. That's hogwash. That's nonsense. The greatest thing you can do to be a success is just to find and do the will of God. But if you're saved, you're already greater than the greatest unsaved person in all of the world. Remember that. And all the things that they have and that they enjoy right now, it's only very temporary. And one day soon, they're going to give it all up. Did you realize if you're saved, you have a mansion being built for you in heaven? Do you realize that if you're saved, you've got angels waiting to serve you hand and foot? Did you know that? There are angels waiting for their opportunity to be your servant in heaven. In Galatians 4, 7, Paul wrote, Wherefore thou art no more a servant, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now these are some of the true riches that God gives. You talk about the riches of the world, I'll tell you the riches that God gives. God's silver comes with peace of mind. Proverbs 10.22, the blessing of the Lord, it maketh rich and he addeth no sorrow to it. So many people today have the world's riches and they have nothing but sorrows. The worst thing you can do is win the lotto. That is going to tear your family apart. It will separate you from friends and family. People that you didn't even know were related to you will find you and want your money and want you to loan them some seed money to get this crazy business venture going or to be able to do this or that. They'll eternally bug you. So many people have lost their families, lost all their wealth, and even committed suicide all because of the lotto. Many's a person has said, I wished I, I had never won that crazy thing. I can give you some advice how never to win the lotto. You probably know what I'm about to say. Why don't you go home and rip up that ticket you've got hidden under that book in the dining room 
Why don't you just tear that thing up? You say, for one simple reason. What if it's a winning ticket? If it wins, you lose. That's it. Remember those words. If it wins, you lose. You will lose. Anyhow, that's for another sermon. But whereas God gives true silver, the devil can only give sulfur. And smelly sulfur it is. So you take your pick. Point number three. They look like precious stones, but they're really pernicious stones. Now precious stones will represent in our application the precious friendships that we have with other people. And isn't it nice to have a close friend? But there's a dark side is losing the friendship with those people. That's the dark side. Now, maybe they move away. Maybe they die. Or maybe they change their mind. They don't like us anymore. And the fear of losing their friendship, the fear of losing them as a person in your life, is what turns the precious stones into pernicious stones. Now, for those who are not sure what pernicious means, pernicious means a tendency to ruination, a tendency to destruction, or to kill, or even to injure. I'll tell you right now, it's hard to lose a loved one. That's not so easy. Some of you here have lost, well, probably many of you have lost a loved one. If you've lost your father, if you've lost your mother, it was Winston Churchill's wife who said, when you lose your mother, you become nobody's child. It's kind of a sweet way of putting it. I lost my mom well, uh, 32 years ago, 32 years ago, I lost my dad uh, 22 years ago. I think that's about right. I'm an orphan. I have no mother, no father. But I've learned in Scripture, that's when the, the Lord will take me up. God knows how to comfort. But here's the thing. When you and I value human friendships higher than what we should value them, they change. They're no longer precious stones and they become pernicious stones. You know, even the death or the disappearance of your family pet can be awful traumatic. You know, if your dog were to die, I've had to take a dog in, have it put to sleep. It was almost 16 years old and the thing was dying. I, and I had to take it to the vet and have it put to sleep and it tore my heart out. And I went home and I wept. It's not the first time I've wept over such silly things, but I'm telling you, they become part of your family. Well, overwhelming sorrow of being forsaken and left alone is very destructive and it can turn those precious stones pernicious. God himself is the great comforter. God himself is the healer of broken hearts. And I'll have you know that when a saved loved one passes away, you will, you should feel some pain and sorrow, but the sting of death is gone because you know you're going to see them again. They just got there before you. You may have wished you'd gone together, but they got there before you.
But God himself is the great comforter. I read a story that back in 1879, a little family uh, by the last name of Stead, S-T-E-A-D, the Stead family, took a small vacation to the beach in New York. Now, Mr. Stead and his wife, Louisa, and their little four-year-old daughter, Lily, were sitting there having lunch on the beach when Mr. Stead looked up over the water and he saw a young man struggling. He was drowning. Without a second thought for himself, Mr. Stead, who was not an experienced swimmer, dove in the water, leaving his wife and daughter on the beach, dove in the water and swam out to rescue the young man. When he reached the drowning man, the man threw his arms around Mr. Stead and locked him in what's known as a death grip. Both the young man and Mr. Stead perished in the sea that day while Louisa and Lily helplessly watched. The following months were very hard on Louisa and Lily. And she struggled with a heavy heart. But through it all, the Lord made himself very real. And through it all, he comforted them so much that Louisa sat down with a pen and paper and she wanted to write a hymn or at least a poem. And so she wrote these words. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise. Just to know, thus saith the Lord. Now you know where that hymn came from. We need to summarize our application today. Many of the world's most famous people have wholeheartedly given themselves over to the pursuit of these three things only to find out that what they thought was gold turned out to be mold and their silver turned out to be sulfur and even their precious stones became pernicious stones. And so how do these famous people cope? How do they respond when they realize their gold is mold? Well, I'll tell you. Margot Kidder, one of the world's most famous actresses. She played Lois Lane next to Superman in the movies. She just recently killed herself. Robin Williams, one of the most, the world's most famous comedians, killed himself. Ernest Hemingway, one of the world's most famous writers, killed himself. George Eastman, the inventor of the Kodak camera and the Kodak company, he was one of the world's most famous businessmen, killed himself. Dr. Frederick Brandt, one of the world's most famous doctors, killed himself. And by the way, listen, statistics suggest that doctors, medical doctors, kill themselves at a higher rate than the rest of the population. You need to pray for your doctor. Pamela Wibble counted in five years, she counted 757 doctor suicides. Brian Loncar, one of the world's most famous lawyers, killed himself. Richard Russell, maybe you saw this one. He was a baggage handler at the SeaTac airport. This past Friday... He climbed into a large airplane. No one 
had any idea that he knew how to fly. And he took a plane for a joyride around Puget Sound. And he did some maneuvers with that plane. Air traffic control was trying to talk sense into him. This went on for about an hour. Fighter jets were escorting him, trying to get him to land safely. He mused about the prison time he would spend. He became remorseful and gave apologies to his friends and family, knowing that what he is doing would shock them. And then purposefully, he put that plane into the ground and killed himself. Why do people kill themselves? Why do they do it? Well, I'd suggest to you, one of the main reasons why people kill themselves, commit suicide, is because their gold has become mold. And there's no more hope. You see, if they still have hope of trying to get their gold back, they're not going to kill themselves. But when the gold becomes mold and there's no more hope, that's when they'll kill themselves. I think that's why Samson killed himself. I think that's why Ahithophel in the Bible killed himself. I believe that's why Judas killed himself. His silver became sulfur. And he went out and hanged himself. What is God's answer to mold and sulfur and pernicious stones? I suggest to you that you and I need to learn the difference, folks. Learn to tell the difference between the world's iron pyrite and God's gold. Learn the difference. Learn the difference between these things. The deceitfulness of riches will take any man down. Listen, if it can be feared, it's not of God. If it can be worried over, it's not of the Lord. If it can be gotten angry about, Jesus didn't give it. You see what I'm saying? My Christian friend, look for your rewards and your comforts from God, not from this world. This world is not our home. Learn to die to self and live for Jesus Christ. Start and maintain a daily devotional walk with God. Be faithful here at the church services. Worship God. Sing and praise and thank the Lord. Isaiah 26 says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. John 16.33, Jesus said, These things I have spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. Listen, if you've ever used a compass, you know that round thing with the needle that goes around? If you've ever used a compass, you'll know that that needle trembles back and forth until finally it comes to rest on north. Right? And likewise, whenever you and I are pointed in the wrong direction, we too will tremble back and forth and our lives can be dashed to and fro until we come to rest upon Jesus Christ. And it's only then that we'll have perfect peace. Let's stand for prayer. Would you stand to your feet with me, please? I want to invite you to come on our invitation. I want to invite you to come today. And I suggest you come and get on your knees and pray and exchange your mold for God's gold. Remember, Jesus said, Lay not for yourselves treasure upon earth. I want to encourage you to come and give him yourself and receive from him his silver. Lay your pernicious stones on the altar. 
and let him turn them into precious stones. Learn to roll your burdens on him. And you too will sing, tis so sweet to trust in Jesus. Has God spoken to your heart today? If he is, come on this invitation.